Welcome and thank you for joining us for the NABIP Healthcare Happy Hour, the official podcast of the National Association of Benefits and Insurance Professionals. Before we begin, please take a moment to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. The podcast is distributed on these platforms every Friday and is included in NABIP's weekly member-exclusive health policy newsletter, The Washington Update, giving you a head start on your healthcare happy hour. August recess is officially underway. Every year, the House and Senate adjourn for the annual Congressional Summer Recess. And this year, the House will be on recess until September 12th, and the Senate will reconvene on September 4th. This is a prime time to meet with your federal legislators about NABIP's talking points, which this year are focused on getting the Employer Reporting Improvement Act across the finish line. In addition to August recess, a mental health parity proposed rule and technical release was issued by the tri-agencies early last week. So to discuss all of these items on this week's episode of the Healthcare Happy Hour is John Green and Michael Andell. So for those who have been active members of NAPIT and their state or local chapter, making appointments during August is nothing new. But for those who don't already know about this or have questions, can you talk a little bit about August recess and why folks should be making appointments with their lawmakers? Hey, Dan, this is Michael. Great to see you again this week. Traditionally, Congress has left Washington during August. They've been doing this for a very long time. It's tradition now. And it's a good time to see them in action back in the district because it's such a long recess. They traditionally are a little bit more relaxed. They don't have to come right back to D.C., And it's helpful as a membership organization to use your grassroots contacts during August recess because the member can come back to D.C. with stories of who they met over the recess and say, yes, I met with somebody. And they put you there in the district, in the state. They make that connection that you are a constituent. You're not just a person who visits them in Washington. So hopefully those of you who have not done this before, if you're able to see your elected official, this is a great time to do that. And if you catch them out and about, sometimes you might be at an event. They might be a special guest. They might be sitting at a table at a dinner or walking by. Take that opportunity just to say hello, introduce yourself, even if it's sort of an informal way of greeting. I would encourage you, though, if you have a good conversation with your elected official, to give us a heads up so we can go back to the office and add on to what you've said if we need to push the staff on something. I think summer recess has been largely misunderstood. It's actually a work period, not a vacation. Members are stacked in terms of appointments. So if you intend to make an appointment, I would suggest that you do so on the earlier side so that you get the best time possible. They're meeting with local chambers and other constituents and advocacy groups. So make your appointment as soon as you can. And once you have your appointment, you can log your appointments, just like Michael just said, and it is incredibly helpful for NABIP staff to see those. So check out the Operation Shout in your inbox or this week's edition of the Washington Update to get the link to log those appointments. 
So without further ado, let's dive into our talking points for this year's summer recess, which folks can also find in this week's and last week's edition of the Washington Update, as well as on NABIP.org under advocacy under legislative issues. So what is the main focus of this summer's talking points? Thanks, Dan. The main focus for this summer's talking points are going to be about the Employer Reporting Act that we've been working on for some time. It passed the House unanimously, which is a significant move. Sometimes you work on things and you've got to eat them out. But to work on something and have it go through committee, fly through the House floor with all the other things that are being gummed up, that's significant. And what we want to do is finish the drill. We want to make sure that we can get this through the Senate and get it onto the president's desk and just move on. And you ask, why is the Employer Reporting Improvement Act important? There's several reasons going back to the ACA and having to file with IRS to show that employees are eligible or they're covered with essential minimum coverage. So what the bill would do, a couple of things to help employers. First of all, it would extend the time you have to respond to the IRS if you receive a letter from 30 days to 90 days. Employers have complained that, you know, the IRS will come back years later and there's just not enough time to really go through and respond to them. So extending that to 90 days, limit how far back IRS can look back to six years. Before this, IRS had much longer time, almost unlimited time just to go back and look back and then allow for electronic filing if employees request it. And then finally, employers no longer would have to go request social security numbers for dependents. They can just use the name. I think this is something that we've heard where people have had to go chase down the employees to get the socials, and that's uh, hung up at some of the reporting. We didn't get everything we wanted, but when you get something that's moving fast, you say thank you and just keep moving on. So when we come back in September, what we'd like to do is have the Senate bill introduced exactly like how it passed the House. That way it'll grease the skids so it can be over and hopefully get this done this fall. And so you're talking to your senators now during August to inform them that we will have a bill for them to co-sponsor when they get back, but the sooner we can move it on to the floor. Now getting co-sponsors is going to help expedite that move to the floor. Floor time is very precious. And they only use floor time for things that they know are going to happen. And this could be one of those things that can be moved quickly and efficiently in the time remaining. So let's move on to the regulatory development I mentioned earlier, mental health parity. This has been something of a contentious issue for plan sponsors for some time now. So before we talk about what's in this specific proposed rule that was released last week, what has NABIP's stance been on the mental health parity issue in general? We have always been supportive of mental health parity from the beginning. In fact, we were one of the principal negotiators in crafting that bill and, and seeing it through the passage in 2008. So it's never been a question of do we support parity? But we did not get a conference report which outlined Congress's intent. After it passed, we had a new administration come in whose interpretation of it was 
you might say, slightly different than what we thought was in the bill. And as a result, some of the regulatory language has been a bit confusing for employers to comply. I know that employers want to comply, uh, but it's difficult when you don't understand what it is that they are trying to achieve, specifically around non-quantitative treatment limitations has been always, you know, really the sticking point. You know, looking at parity between medical and substance abuse and, and mental health uh, issues has been easier to do, but the NTQL has just been very, very difficult. And so, as you're alluding to, Dan, uh, we've got a new proposed rule that was intended to shed more clarity on that issue. What changes would this proposed rule make if finalized? So one of the big significant things that it does is it does sweep in self-insured plans. It's a large rule and it says a lot in 361 pages worth. And we are still plowing through that. We have a lot of questions that we're going to be working through with our mental health advisory group and others to collect their thoughts. One of the things that I've noticed so far in, in looking at the rule is that they're, they're still asking some questions. They want to collect more data to kind of understand how, uh, and specifically looking at non-quantitative treatment limitations, how they fit in to meeting the parity requirement. But, you know, it still comes down to the fact that there is not enough providers in the mental health space, whether it's even for substance abuse or for mental health. And so achieving true parity relies in some measure on having enough providers. And we've made that very clear to the Department of Labor and to Congress, particularly when they were talking about potential penalties on employers for non-compliance. They are looking at what actually constitutes a non-quantitative treatment limitations and whether they should be used and in, under what circumstances, such as credentialing standards, to ensure that and there's an adequate ratio of mental health versus med surge providers. But again, this gets down to the workforce issues, I think, at its core. And it would require issuers to collect, evaluate, and consider the impact of data on access to mental health and substance abuse benefits before imposing NTQLs. And so they're also looking to see whether adding a non-quantitative treatment limitation increase or decrease one's ability to access care in mental health or substance abuse. So the reason that they swept in self-funded plans is a result of the CAA of 2023 requires that self-funded plans also comply with the parity standard. And so that's why they were included. So that didn't just come out of anywhere. That's as a result of action by Congress. In addition to the proposed rule, the agencies also released a technical release. So what did that say? So it contains an RFI for stakeholders like NABIB on the best way to work with states to ensure that the Mental Health Parity Act solidifies the mental health access for Medicaid beneficiaries enrolled in privatized Medicaid health plans. It is now time for the NABIP Healthcare Happy Hour Toast of the Week. So who are we toasting to this week? This week, we're toasting to our grassroots out there, meaning you, who will be meeting with your member of Congress to talk about the employer reporting bill. Let's get this done. Cheers. 
Thank you for joining us for NAPIP's Healthcare Happy Hour, the official podcast of the National Association of Benefits and Insurance Professionals. For more information on NABIP's government affairs efforts or to become a member, visit nabip.org.